listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A great show for you today after what a day yesterday in sports. Great weekend in sports. The NFL draft. I don't even know if I'm going to get to the NFL draft today because of what we saw yesterday. The greatness of Steph Curry that I'm going to break down for you here. We're going to talk about that game. We're going to talk about the upcoming series with the Warriors and the Lakers and then some hockey talk to end it because, once again, something I said at the very beginning of the NHL playoffs has ended up coming to fruition. And we will get to all that momentarily. All right. It's days like today where I love the fact that I started the Sports Daily because if I didn't have a podcast, I wouldn't be able to express to you my feelings about things that happen in sports. And remember when I spoke so highly of LeBron and kind of just ran down of like, look, I know people don't like him out there, but you have to be objective when you look at LeBron and what he's done. At 17 years old, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated calling him the chosen one. And the guy has never slipped socially, never been arrested, Never any of that, and he basically has lived up to hype that was given to him 20 years ago. You have to be impressed with that. He's taken horse crap teams to the NBA Finals, and he's been to the Finals 10 times. Yes, he's 4-6 and six in the Finals, but it certainly wasn't because he didn't play well. It's just because he didn't have great teams around him, and yet he took 10 teams to the Finals. But LeBron will have his detractors out there and you know you can debate MJ or LeBron till the end of time. They're both great. It doesn't have to be one has to be better than the other. But yesterday that game that Steph Curry put on was one for the ages. First off, as you saw during the game, nobody has ever scored 50 points in a game 7 in NBA history. And Steph did it yesterday. Now, not only did Steph do that yesterday, he did it on the road at 35 years old when the rest of his team really, outside of Kevon Looney, played terrible. Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins were 9 for 35 for the game. Do you understand? <laughs> and they still win by 20 because of Steph. Wiggins had 17, Clay Thompson had 16, but Wiggins had 17 on 16 shots and Clay Thompson had 16 on 19 shots. They were terrible. They got 18 points from their bench, but Sacramento's top two players, Darren Fox, and, well, I'm not going to count Sabonis, but basically if you take the two players who have done really well for them this series, De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, they went 9 for 33 for the game. So they basically matched exactly what Clay and Wiggins did. De'Aaron had 16, Monk had 14. The other two had 17 and 16 between them. So Steph's 50 points were the difference in that game. But here's what I want to say in regards to Steph, because 
I think when you look at him, he's very unassuming. He's six foot four. He's got the mouthpiece hanging out of his mouth. I, I, I can't believe that's a reason why some people don't like him, but I know it is. Just a ridiculous reason not to like somebody. Who cares if his mouthpiece is hanging out of his mouth? I don't. Doesn't that make it more impressive that this guy is taking people off the dribble, he's shooting free throws and shooting threes with a mouthpiece hanging out of his mouth? It shows you how <laughs> nonchalantly he can do things. But I think the point that Jalen Rose made in the postgame is exactly the reason why you have to love Steph and you have to appreciate what he's doing. Because for his size, which is not very tall, and his width, which is not huge, what he does on a basketball court, we've never seen in the history of the NBA. Like, what LeBron is doing right now is unbelievable because he's in his 20th year and he's played 60,000 minutes in his career. And he's 38 years old. Steph is only three years younger. He's 35. But if you look at the best shooters in NBA history, and it's not an argument. You can argue MJ and LeBron. You can't argue who the best shooter in the NBA history is, and that's Steph Curry. There's nobody that's done what he's done. But here's the difference. If you take the other two people on that list, the guys that he passed in recent years, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, great shooters, great shooters. But anybody that watched them in the 90s and the early 2000s knows nobody was really scared of those guys off the dribble. They would come off numerous picks and hit threes, come off picks, off curls, and hit threes. Steph Curry at 35 years old, look at all the things that he does because you can't get up in his grill and you can't be all up in him so he doesn't shoot a three because he will drive right past you. And if you sag off him, clearly he's going to pull up from anywhere. You didn't have to worry about that with Reggie Miller. Nobody was scared about Reggie Miller taking them, him, them to the cup. Nobody was scared, really, about Ray Allen driving. And those guys weren't point guards. Those guys were two guards that had plays set up for them to run off picks. Exactly what Steph does as well, but also brings up the ball. I think Stephen A. Smith, who I can't stand, I don't think he was being hyperbolic when he said, Steph might be the greatest point guard in NBA history. What other point guard has ever done what he's done? Zero. But because he shoots so well, people don't even look at him as a point guard. And he doesn't bring the ball up on every play. He doesn't need to. So he's kind of like a hybrid point guard slash shooting guard. Because Draymond can bring the ball up, or Clay could bring the ball up, or Jordan Poole could bring the ball up. But Steph's still coming off picks like a two guard. But Steph can bring the ball up and play high pick and roll and shoot a three. So he's a combo. But if you were to position him on the Golden State Warriors, he's their point guard. But we're in the NBA now where it's kind of like positionless basketball. It doesn't have to be. You have to have a point guard. You have to have a two-guard two shooting guard. A, th- a three is a small forward. A four is a power forward. And five is a center. Look at Golden State's team. When Kevon Looney isn't in there, they're playing Steph, Poole, Draymond, Clay and Wiggins, all a bunch of guys that are 6'8 or less. 
Granted, Draymond has to play the other team's center, but Draymond's not a center. He's a forward. But that's the type of basketball we're in. This isn't the 80s where everybody did have a point guard, a two, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, and a center. So it's just different. The game's totally different. It's why I say it's impossible to compare eras. But what I do know is there isn't a single player in NBA history that can do what Steph does as well as he does and has reached the level of success that he has. Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard can take a lot of people off the dribble, and he can pull up from 35. But Dame Lillard has had zero success in the playoffs. This is Steph Curry carrying teams. And then there's the story that came out late last night that Steph was so distraught over them getting blown out in game six at home, thinking they're losing their chance, that he actually spoke to the team before the film session on Saturday. And Steph does not speak to the team rarely ever. Speaks to guys privately, will pull guys aside one-on-one, but never gets up in front of the team and speaks. And apparently he had one of the all-time speeches on Saturday. And the team just rallied around him. And he basically, from the reports in the article that I read, he basically said, if you're not all in, don't get on the bus to go to Sacramento. We had some division there during the 17-point loss the other night. If you're not all in, I don't care if you play one minute, zero minutes, or 30 minutes, you have to buy in or don't get on the bus. Because, and if you basically, he basically took it upon himself. Like, guys, if you all buy in, I'll get us there. And that's just, I mean, that's just increasing on the legend of Steph Curry. To say that and then go drop 50, 50 on the road? He's unbelievable. And you can say, oh, stop kissing Steph's ass. Just like with LeBron, I like watching greatness. You are watching something that you're never going to see. And if you do see it again, it'll be very rare. In our lifetime, he is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. And he's doing things a point guard has never done. And he's 35. It's not like he's some 22-year-old phenom that jumps through the roof. Steph doesn't have jumping ability out of the building. He's not dunking on people. He doesn't have this overwhelming athletic ability better than everybody else, but what he does have is a work ethic, and he works his ass off in the offseason. Does he even look tired out there? He brings the ball up probably 75% of the time, and when he doesn't, he's running off picks nonstop. He never looks tired to me. That all goes back to how hard he works in the offseason, and I, I just I can't crap on a guy for that. His work pays off in the regular season and in the postseason. It was unbelievable. They got killed on Friday night at home. Could have closed out the series at home. They'd lost two of their last 20 games at home, and they get killed by the Kings. So the Kings had them right where they wanted them, Game 7 in Sacramento, and the Golden State Warriors were 11-30 and on the road this year. Yeah, they had won Game 5 in Sacramento, but everybody thought the series was over going into Friday. I did. And Golden State, never had, they were never even in that game. Sacramento led from basically start to finish. So Sacramento gets them at home, game seven, and laid an egg in the second half. They were up by two at half, and they lose by 20. And while the series didn't play out games-wise like I said it would, it pretty much went, hey, I just can't see the defending NBA champion and the four-time champion in the last eight years, and this veteran team losing to a team 
that hadn't been to the playoffs in 18 years. Sacramento has to go through their growing pains, just like Golden State did at the beginning of this run when they lost to the Clippers a couple times. Sacramento is not going anywhere. Good young team, led the NBA in scoring, surprised everybody. There's no reason to be disappointed in the season, but they got a bad draw. It just it wasn't helping the fact that they drew the Golden State Warriors, the defending NBA champions in the first round when they hadn't been in the playoffs in 18 years. Valiant effort, but you saw the inexperience really hit them uh, in the second half last night. But an unbelievable game by Steph Curry, one for the ages. They're calling it the Steph game. I'll never forget it. I mean, just I don't want to nerd out on you here in basketball terms and what they're doing, but if you know basketball, if you're a coach or you've played and you watch Steph Curry in a half-court offense and what he does and how much attention he does, even when he gives up the ball after usually being double-teamed, because he can shoot from 35 and because he can take anybody off the dribble and score, he's literally unstoppable. The only way you can really stop Steph is if you hope he has an off-shooting night because he's going to get his shots off. Nobody can prevent him from getting shots. He's never going to have a game where he goes two for seven because somebody was in his grill the whole game and he couldn't get a shot off. It's impossible. He's been doing this for literally, what, 15 years now? Like, it's unbelievable. I love watching greatness, and I'll praise Steph Curry all day long. I don't care if you think I'm kissing his ass. He is a great, great player. He's a model citizen. Another guy never gets in trouble. Squeaky clean. Maybe that's why people don't like him, because he's too squeaky clean. But it's it's almost as impressive as LeBron, and you know why? Because Steph is 6'4", and he looks like any guy that you can find walking down the street or go to a gym on the weekend and watch guys running on the court. Because he doesn't – he's not a physical specimen. That just makes everything he does that much more impressive. Just a 6'4", lanky dude who's gotten stronger over the years, works out a ton in the offseason, and, I mean, look at that game yesterday. The guy never looked tired. You felt like he could go on forever. Now you get the Lakers and Warriors exactly what the NBA wanted in round two. I mean, you you can't ask for anything more. This is going to be so much fun watching Lakers and Warriors round two. Oh, cannot wait. Look, I'm a Laker fan. You know this. I like cheering the Lakers and the Dodgers, only two teams that I openly root for. But, man, if the Lakers lose to Steph and the Warriors, okay. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because that means I get to watch Steph for another round. I, They're the defending NBA champs. You almost want to see them get to the finals again and see if they can do it. And then if Steph wins a fifth title this year, now you're talking maybe top five player of all time for what he's done. It's 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 crazy. I just There's so many things I could break down in yesterday's game, but I don't want to nerd out on basketball half-court offenses but I I just I'm in awe of what he did yesterday in a game seven on the road and dropping 50 when they needed it most because it's not like the other guys on his team were playing well at all Wiggins and Thompson did not have it yesterday you could tell that right from the beginning 
It was it was Steph and Kevon Looney, and that was the game. They needed all 50 points. Yeah, they won by 20, but he was the one that got them up to 20. So great game by Steph, great game, all-time game by the Warriors, all-time game by Steph, and uh, Lakers-Warriors begins Tuesday night in San Francisco. Man, what a series that's going to be. Haven't even talked about the Knicks and the Heat. That game, Eastern Conference semifinals started yesterday. Heat went on the road. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how the Heat are doing this. They don't match up well at all with the Knicks. They have no size whatsoever. They shoot a ton of threes. If they're not hitting their threes, they're basically going to lose because they can't get easy twos. And maybe that's just their game plan. Let's just jack up 40 to 45 threes a game, hope we hit 15 to 18, and get to the fourth quarter, keep it close, and then Jimmy Butler does what Jimmy Butler does. Become playoff Jimmy because he apparently can't be stopped in the playoffs. He had a quiet, I think, 22 yesterday. But Miami, I mean, again, a team that just was so average during the regular season. One of the worst offenses in the NBA this season, ranked 25th or 26th in total offense. Almost didn't even make the playoffs. Had to beat the Bulls in the play-in game just to get the eighth seed. Pull off a miraculous upset against the number one seeded Bucks. And then already, already stolen. This this series has started, remember? Series don't start until the road team wins the first game. Well, it started because Miami wins game one in New York. I don't know how this team is doing it. I really don't. They're not this good, but they're playing over their heads. And we'll see. We'll see if the Knicks make an adjustment and can take back game two. That was the only game yesterday in sports that wasn't a game seven. There was the Golden State-Sacramento Game 7 in Sacramento, home team lost. There were two Game 7s in hockey yesterday. Both home teams lost. So if you would have bet all three road teams, I looked at the odds, if you would have bet Golden State to win, if you would have bet the Seattle Kraken to win, and if you would have bet the Florida Panthers to win, $100 would have won you 1400 It was 14 to 1 for those three teams to win. And once again, I don't know what it is. I said it at the beginning of the NHL playoffs. Throw out home ice advantage. It just doesn't exist in hockey. Did you see that stat that they said during the Boston Bruins-Florida Panthers game? In the playoffs this year, any game that's gone to overtime has been won by the road team 11 out of 14. The road team is 11-3 and in overtime this year in the playoffs of the NHL. I... How do you look at it? How do you look at that other than to say, yeah, home ice doesn't matter? The Boston Bruins set the NHL record this year for most wins by any team in the history of the league, most points by any team in the history of the league during the regular season. They had a 3 1 advantage in this series over the Florida Panthers, who they had 43 more points than this season. Bruins had 135 points, the Panthers had 92, and the Bruins had a 3-1 lead with two of the next three games at home. 
and they lost. Hockey is so crazy. There is just, just flip a coin every single game. You have no idea who's going to win. None. Do I want the Dallas Stars to win? Yes. Am I glad that they play the Kraken rather than the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche? Yes. But that doesn't mean they're going to win. I don't know who's going to win between them and the Kraken. I just turn on the game and hope. (laughs) And just hope. But, man, those two games yesterday, the overtime game, you know, overtime game sevens in hockey. I mean, like I said, I said this a couple weeks ago, you're just sitting there biting your nails. Any shot could be the end of the series. And then when I'm watching the Kraken and the Avalanche, Kraken pull their, I mean, the Avalanche pull their goalie with two minutes left to get a six on five. And then it's once again, it's just like, can it happen? And Florida scored their goal with a minute left to force overtime against Boston. They were down 3-2, and they score with like a minute and 10 left, and then they win it in overtime. And I can tell you, I've never watched one Florida Panther game this year. As I'm watching the game, I'm learning these guys' names for the first time. I know Montour and Verhage, the guy that scored the winner. I didn't I, I mean I knew that I knew that Boston was the best team in the league and had set the record. And I knew that this series was 3-1, and somehow the Florida Panthers came back from a 3-1 deficit to beat the greatest regular season team in NHL history. I mean, you can't you can't write this stuff. You can't predict this stuff. I will sit there and I'll cheer for the stars, and I'm not going to tell you they're going to win any series or any game. Because hockey is so low scoring, it's just you don't know. I can tell you I have a good idea that the Golden State Warriors, with their experience and the fact that they've been there and are champions and defending champions, if they have a Game 7 on the road, can go into Sacramento and win that game against a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in 18 years. Not surprising that they won. Maybe a little surprising they won by 20 and pulled away in the second half by as much as they did. But in hockey, Seattle Kraken have been an NHL team for, what, two years? And they just beat the defending Stanley Cup champions? On their home ice? Again, again, you can't predict this stuff. You really can't. But it's so awesome. That's why sports are the greatest reality show on television. Because you can't script any of this stuff. It is nuts. Three game sevens yesterday on sports and all three home teams lost. Two of them expected to win big time. Sacramento, that mean that line was basically a pick. So... What a great, great weekend in sports. Absolutely love it. The NBA's top-seeded team and the NHL's top-seeded team, both eliminated by South Florida's teams. Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks, and Florida Panthers beat the Boston Bruins. What's going on in South Florida that they have all the best teams now? But, man, that is crazy. And one thing that I wanted to say And if you're a Minnesota fan, if you're a sports fan living in the state of Minnesota, you might want to go earmuffs or shut off the podcast right now because, unfortunately, I got some bad stats for you. And I'm just going to end with this. And I'm only ending with this because the Stars, Dallas Stars, beat the Minnesota Wild on Friday night to end that series four games to two. Have you seen the run of Minnesota sports teams in the playoffs for the last 17 years? 
Minnesota sports teams in the playoffs since 2004-2005. So, yeah, about 18 years. The Minnesota Twins in the last 18 years are 0-18 in the playoffs. Sorry, 0-15. They've won zero playoff games. This is baseball. They made the playoffs five times since 05 and have never won a game. Swept all five times. The Minnesota Timberwolves since 2005 in the playoffs, 4 and 12. The Minnesota Vikings since 2005 in the playoffs, 3 and 7. The Minnesota Wild since 2005 in the playoffs, 28 and 55. So the Twins are at a 0% winning percentage. The Timberwolves are at a 25% winning percentage. The Minnesota Vikings are at a 30% winning percentage. And the Minnesota Wild are at 33%. Combined 35 and 89 the last 18 years in the playoffs, 28.2 win percentage. The Vikings are the only one to make it to a conference final. They did that in 2009 and 2017. I mean, I'm sorry, Minnesota. I don't know what else to say, especially Wild fans. Wild, do you know that your hockey team is 5-14 and 14 in their last 19 home games in the playoffs? Again, home ice doesn't mean shit. 5-14 <laughs> in your last 19 home playoff games? That's not good last time I checked. Anyway, so much to talk about. Thank you for all for listening. I really appreciate it. Didn't even get to the NFL draft. Didn't even get to the NFL draft. Didn't get to Dylan Brooks. But we have more to talk about tomorrow. But I'm going to end it here. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcast. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.